0: You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. It is incredible to see everyone. It's been four weeks since we last met in this class, but it really is a special, a special part of my week that I can start Sunday morning fresh, and just get a great start to the week. So welcome back. I wanted to talk about something which is very, very important. A very, very important trait. And that is the trait of no which is carrying your another person's burden. So when we talk about um, carrying the burden with your fellow. Carrying the burden of your fellow. What does that mean? So it really means an extension of yourself. Going beyond yourself. We discussed to great detail, we discussed the trait of kindness previously, and now we're going to talk about a whole different element of that kindness, okay? Because kindness, generally speaking, is something I can physically do for someone. But no se ca- carrying someone's burden, is not something I can actually do. It's something that I can feel. It's not a physical doing for someone else. It's rather something I feel about someone else. Okay, so let's let's understand what this means. Our sages tell us that it's the medicine for one's selfishness. This trait, this single trait of no carrying another's burden, is a great tool to getting out of our own selfishness. So let's understand. Self-love. What is self-love? I know myself. I know what I need. I know what I want. I know what I feel. I know when I'm tired, I know when I'm happy. I know when I'm sad. I know when I'm thirsty and when I'm hungry and when I'm all my needs, I know I can connect with. It's me. So I, I love myself and I take care of myself, hopefully. But what's about loving someone else to the point where we can feel someone else's joy or someone else's sadness? That's, and it's not in action. The person can be on the other side of the globe and I can feel their pain. The person can be on the other side of the globe and I can feel their joy. So the idea that we're talking about here in carrying another's burden is the idea that even though I can't physically do something for that other individual, I can in my heart feel, in my mind, understand the challenge, the sorrow, the pain that they're experiencing or the happiness that they're experiencing. My great-grandfather was once sitting with his family, and in the middle of sitting with his whole family, he stood up, put on his suit and tie, and started dancing. So they asked him, what's going on? But today, it makes sense because we have Zoom, and everyone's busy being, going to virtual weddings and virtual bar mitzvahs and virtual synagogue and virtual everything. My great-grandfather was dancing. They asked him, what's going on? He said, my student right now is getting married in a different city, and I wasn't able to be there, so I'm sharing in his joy. It's like as if I'm dancing with him right now at his wedding. My example that I I like to bring up is, you know, you have these natural disasters that happen around the globe, whether they be in another state, whether they're fires, whether they're earthquakes, whether they're uh, floods, whether they're explosions, whether they're hurricanes, whatever they may be. Is there anything, you sitting in Houston, is there anything that you can do for them? Not really much you can do. You can waste your money donating it to American Red Cross. Personally, I don't think they do anything good with that money. But you all agree, everyone's nodding their heads here. Yes, 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 we agree. (laughs) That's not not the best way to give our money. Now, if you know a particular organization that does search and rescue, like Hatzalah, there's a fantastic story that happened last night. You know, for those of you who don't know what Hatzalah is, Hatzalah is First Responders uh, Search and Rescue. Jewish. Or it's a Jewish volunteer organization. They have them in all different cities. All the Jewish communities in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut have their own Hatzalah. It's a private nonprofit. And here in Houston, we also have one. Right? I'm proud and honored to be a member of the Hatzalah. And if someone, God forbid, is ill, If someone is missing, Hatsala will spring into action and will be there before the HFD will be there and before the HPD will be there, right? We'll be there to help and to search and to do whatever is necessary to save another life. But what's if you don't have that ability to support an organization that is that worthy? So what can you do for the people of California when they have an earthquake? What can you do for the people of uh, New Orleans when there is a... a uh, hurricane that hits them. You know what you can do for them? You can feel their pain. You can stop for a second, turn off the television, and think to yourself, what would happen if you lost your house? If you had six feet of water in your house, and all of your memories, and all of your furniture, and all of your possessions were destroyed? And what would likely happen? We'd probably start crying. It's terrible. Imagine if that happened to me. But now you can cry for someone else. You can feel someone else's pain. You can understand what someone else is experiencing. Our sages tell us that that is a very lofty trait. This trait of no Olim havero, feeling and carrying your fellow's burden, being able to undertake the experience that they're going to and making it part of our own. So when we see in the news today, every day, we're inundated with news stories about this and about that and this city and that city and this burning and that burning and this let's just put ourselves into that situation and feel the pain of other people shearing someone else's burden is the greatest form of selflessness being completely selfless being completely immersed in what the other person is experiencing it's a very lofty level to reach it's an awesome awesome trait you don't satisfy your fellow with items or objects, but rather with your very being. With your very being of who you are. You can feel their pain, their joy. You can shear their pain and their joy. So if someone in your synagogue is marrying off a child, feel that joy. What does that joy mean to them? And feel that joy with them. There's nothing potentially, that you can really add to their celebration. You can buy them a fruit platter, you can buy them flowers, okay, great. But you can be happy with them. You can share that joy with them. And be happy and feel oneness with them. I have an idea that I would like to share from this week's Parsha. So this week's Parsha was, we just read Baratheon's Genesis, the beginning. The beginning creation, we have the six days of creation and the seventh day of rest. Creation of Adam and Eve, etc., etc., and it really is remarkable. I absolutely uh, was amazed learning through this week's Torah portion at the at the incredible precision of Hashem's words in this week's Torah portion. Really is remarkable. If you notice, it says after each day, vayhi erev, vayivoker yom sheni, yom shlishi the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. What does it say for the first day? It doesn't say the first day. It says, Day one. One. It doesn't say the first day. And our sages all ask, why is it different when we talk about day one? Because oneness, the oneness of God And the oneness that God wants us to create in this world is the mission of mankind. God wants one. To add to this, it's interesting that on every day of creation, God says the word Kitov. And God looked at his creation and it was good. And it was good. Except for day two. Day two does not say Kitov. On day three, it compensates and says it Kitov twice. So the obvious question is, why is the second day missing Kitov? And it was good. God didn't like the second day. He didn't like what he created the second day. Why does God omit in his amazing perfect Torah the words Kitov? And it was good. Our sages tell us, because two is bad. What is two? Two means division. Two means separate. Two means different opinions, means different paths, different ways. You know, it's an amazing thing. When we congratulate a bride and groom, we're not congratulating that two individuals are now living together. That's not what we're congratulating. What we're blessing them and we're hoping for is that two individuals become one. It's a very different mission. We don't want to keep them two different individuals, two separate individuals. We want to make two separate individuals become one. The mission of mankind is to become one. One with another person. To feel another person's pain. To be there, to empathize another person's experience. You may not be able to do anything. You may not be able to change the situation which you can feel their pain. It's the same as with their happiness and their joy. To feel someone's true happiness, someone who makes a a celebration for their child, you know, the the joy and the pride they're feeling, feel that with them. Feel that with them. That is an exercise in carrying another's burden, good and bad. Being there completely in oneness with another person. To the people of Haiti, after the natural disaster that they had there. What, what can we do? We're sitting here in Houston. What can we do? We can feel their pain. Do you know who had this incredible attribute? Our great leader Moses. It says that Moses came out of the palace and he saw their pain. And it pained him as if it was him that was being enslaved. He felt it deep inside him. You know what a good leader is? A good leader is someone who is able to feel the pain of their constituents. That when someone doesn't have a job, they feel that pain. When someone isn't healthy and doesn't have insurance, they feel that pain. And they don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk. If someone properly feels the pain, you can pray for someone else. You can try to work for someone else to do something about it on their behalf. When you're able to feel someone else's situation and not be completely immersed in our own personal experience, we're able to go beyond ourselves. That is the goal. That is the mission. We want to become partners with other people. We want to become one with others. Imagine if we had a world that was like that. Imagine if we had a world where people really genuinely felt the pain of another person. If people genuinely felt the joy of another person, that would be an amazing world. So there's a story told about Rabari Levine. Rabari Levine was one of the leading sages of Jerusalem back way back in the early 1900s. And he once came to the doctor with his wife. His wife was ill. Uh, she had pain in her in her leg. It, this actually became a very, very famous story. They went to uh, they went to the doctor. He says, "Doctor, my wife's leg hurts us." You understand what you what he's saying here? My wife's leg hurts us. It doesn't hurt her alone. It hurts me too. Her pain is my pain. And in a marriage, you know, the kindness begins at home is not just a phrase. It's the real test of life. You want to know what real kindness is? I sometimes I have meetings, appointments, and I need to make adjustments to them at last minute. And people sometimes don't understand why I need to make those changes. I'll explain to you why. Because I have my number one obligation is to the Almighty. My second obligation is to my wife. And my third obligation is to my children. Then goes an obligation for the rest of the world. So if my wife, for whatever reason, needs me, then everything else gets canceled and moved over. That's the way priorities in this world works. That's the way it should work at least. Now, if I put career over my family, could be a, uh, a problem. If I put uh, my career over my spouse, that can also be a problem. There has to be normal levels. there has to be balance. There can't be that you know 24/ 7 you're sitting and, 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 uh, and serving your wife hot chocolate, right? Um, although that would be a lovely uh, you know experience, I'm sure. But, obviously, we need to be productive and we need to go out there. But we need to understand that we have to have priorities. We can't lose sight of what the priorities are. So, this is a fundamental trait that we're talking about for acquiring perfection and character. If we don't have this trait of being able to get out of our own selves and get into what another person is experiencing, whether it's happiness or sadness whether it's worry, concern, or someone who's elated with with joy, it is a very challenging path for one to grow without this trait. It's a prerequisite for achieving many other traits. If a person doesn't have this trait properly put into place, it's going to be very difficult attaining other good and positive traits. So one has to feel... As one, we mentioned that, and it was evening and it was morning, day one, not first day, day one, because God wants oneness in this world. One. That's why we say, when we talk about the Almighty, right, we talk about as echad, as a one, yachid, a single and only, and only God. Umiyuchad, and very, very special, which is also the same root as echad. God is only one. You can't slice God. God doesn't have... It's not like you, know, you have the Trinity uh, in other religions. You have the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? You can't... It's God is indivisible. You can't divide God. You can't slice Him up and be, oh, today He's the good God, to the tomorrow He's the bad God, and He's the this God. And that. That's not the way it works. God is oneness do we say, Hashem Elokechem emet, at the end of uh, the Shema, we say, God, our God, is true, truth, there's only one truth, but how do we start the Shema? We say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Shema Yisrael, hear O Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Hashem, our God, is Adonai God is one. And if you look at the entire Torah, there aren't different forces, there aren't different, there's one God. Now, there is a question actually in this sixth Torah portion that we see that God says, Naase Adam, let us make man in our image. What is that? What does it mean, let us make man in our image? Our sages explain, the commentaries explain, that that is God demonstrating humility, where he's gathering the angels together and he's saying, let us, let us create and bringing them into the experience. And that's the way true humility works is that it's not all me, so to speak, even though God is the be-all, end-all of everything that exists. So we have to understand that we need to feel the other. By living and feeling with every fiber the events of another being. I always say that women are more natural with this. Motherhood makes one much more natural at feeling another person's. I remember one time I called my wife. I was uh, with the kids one evening. My wife was out. And uh, I called her up and I said, you know, the baby is crying and uh I, I don't know. the Baby's just irrational. It's like I, I there's nothing I can do. I tried the pacifier. I tried this. I tried that. I tried tried everything. She 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 hears the baby. She says, "Oh, the baby the baby's thirsty." I'm like, "Oh, why didn't I think about that?" Right? I tried changing the diaper. I thought maybe something else is bothering them. I'm like I, I I don't know what else it could be. She hears the cry and she hears already the baby's thirsty. Right? And sure enough, the baby was thirsty. Gave the baby a bottle. And boom, every baby is happy. A woman is naturally, instinctively possessing such a trait. Now, it doesn't mean that there needs to be more work for a woman in perfecting that trait. But a man has got a long way to go. He's starting at the zero line. She's starting at the 60 line. She has big lead over a man. Now, we know that women are more spiritual. Women are, are on a whole plateau more elevated and more spiritual than men are. So men are anyways doomed. But uh, the reality is, is that this is a trait that every single human being should find a way to integrate into our lives. Not living only for ourselves, but living to understand the situation of another person. What are they experiencing right now? It's not an easy task, I'm telling you. It's not an easy task. It is a very difficult trait to really incorporate and understand what another person is experiencing. Naturally, we're busy with ourselves selfishly all the time. Like we mentioned, I know when I'm hungry. I know when I need the bathroom. I know when I'm thirsty. I know when I'm tired. But do I understand when another person is in need of those things? And even more so, is the only time I think about what another person needs when I need it. Meaning, I'm thirsty, so I'll ask. That's not thinking about someone else. That's thinking about myself and not wanting to look selfish. When we meet someone, they have a need. What is that need? We need to get into what it is that their needs are. Get into what it is that they're feeling. Someone's worried. Feel their worry. I had someone yesterday come to my house we were talking about a matter that was disturbing them. It wasn't wasn't really much I can do except for try to encourage them, except for trying to uh, give them uh, a a an outlook to the future that it'll be better. Things will things will uh, will shape up and things will be better. Don't worry, you know everyone has ups and downs. But I was thinking today, in light of this trait, to give them a call and tell them I was thinking about this, and I can't imagine. The pain that you're feeling, the disappointment you have in whatever people that disappointed you, and to really get into feeling their experience and perhaps even trying to share it with them. Share with them that I understand what you're going through. Now, I may not completely understand what they're going through, right? But at least that they should know that they're not carrying the burden alone. Someone else cares about them. Someone else is thinking about it. And not because I'm being prompted, and not because they're calling me back, and I'm just saying, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about it, and you know, no, to really genuinely feel the pain of another person, to feel the joy of another person, always thinking how will I benefit from this? You know, people are actually actually say this: what's in it for me? People say this: what's in it for me? There's nothing in it for me. Goodbye. One second. Maybe there's something in it for someone else. Maybe someone else you can think of, right? What's in it for someone else? In order to master this trait, we need to uninstall this way of thinking. And we say about Moshe, we just mentioned this previously, that he went out and felt the pain of his people. He said, I can't just stand by. I have to do something about this. Put yourself into someone else's shoes. There's this, an amazing story that's told about Rabbi Rucham Lovavetz, the Mashkiach of the Mir Yeshiva. The mashgiach is not the one, not only the one who supervises the food. That's not the job of a mashgiach in the spiritual sense. It is the spiritual leader of a yeshiva. It's the same word, but different. Different. Uh, it's the uh, the spiritual guide for a yeshiva. It's called a mashgiach. And Rabbi Yochum Lovavitz, who was my grandfather's teacher in Poland in the Mir yeshiva, once you know, my grandfather came. My grandfather, I heard this from my grandfather multiple times that. When he came to the yeshiva, he got to the he had the privilege to meet Rabbi Rucham. As he arrived, one of the amazing things about when my grandfather came to the yeshiva is that every person greeted him as if they knew him. Now, you ever walk into a place and you feel uncomfortable because you don't know anybody? That was my grandfather when he walked into the yeshiva of Mir. He didn't know anyone there. Not a single soul. Nobody. And yet, he felt that every person who greeted him Knew him for years. Oh, how are you? It's so amazing to see you, right? And like people were just so friendly and so genuine, and so was the spiritual leader, Rabbi Rucham. And he sees him, and his face is, is is like like the light of the sun. So that was on a Tuesday or Wednesday, Shabbos, Friday night. My grandfather goes over to one of the students, and he says to him, "Who's sitting in Rabbi Rucham's seat? Who's sitting in his seat at the front of the of the of the of the of the synagogue of the yeshiva?" So they said, no, 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 that's him. He had a different glow on Shabbos. He was just on a whole different plane. He looked like a different person. My grandfather wasn't senile, okay? He knew what he was seeing. He was a different person on Shabbos. He was so elevated, so spiritually lofty that he looked like a different person. So one Shabbos, Rabbi Rucham looked like he was dead, colorless, lifeless, sad. And the students came over and they said, Rebbe, you always look like a beacon of light on Shabbos. What happened to Shabbos? See, he says, I just got word right before Shabbos but there was a, a Jew who was a terrible Jew. And he did terrible things against other Jews in Germany. He was known as a real agitator, a self-hating Jew. He, he hated other Jews. And he was just a a, a a terrible, terrible person. He says, "I just got word before Shabbos that he passed away." So, ask him, So, what? He was an evil person. Doesn't it say in 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 the words of our of our prophets that when an evil person dies, you should be happy? Avoid rishayim rina. That when 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 the evil people pass away, it it should be you should be joyful. That finally, the world is rid of the evil. You know what he said. He said, do you know what my brother, it wasn't his biological brother, but as Jews, we're all brothers and sisters. He says, do you know what my brother is going to say in front of the heavenly courts right now? They're standing. He's standing in front of the heavenly courts and they're asking him, what did you do? And what is he going to answer? My fellow brother, my fellow Jew, is not going to have what to say. And I'm so worried for him. That is feeling someone else's pain. That is feeling someone else's concern. That it's not just about, I see someone needs a chair, I'll give them a chair. I see someone needs some water, I give someone, no, much deeper than that. It's really getting into who they are and what their situation is. And feeling their pain and feeling their worry, feeling their concern and feeling their joy. He was worried about a Jew who died that did bad things in his lifetime. What is he going to say in front of the heavenly courts? And that's why his face was colorless. He was worried, concerned, as if it was himself, as if it was his own blood brother. It's not sympathy or empathy. It's understanding and getting deep into someone else's kishkas, right? This is what we call it, right? It's getting into someone else's existence. It's don't try to fix it. Feel it. It's one of the rules they say about marriage that men need to learn about women. When a woman uh, is upset, when a woman is worried, most men try to run to fix the problem. So she's complaining about her boss. She comes home from work and she says, my boss is so nasty to me. He doesn't appreciate anything I do. I'm working so hard. Day and night, I'm thinking about the company and how, how can I help it, right? So she complains to her husband. What does her husband say? He puts on his fix-it hat because that's the way men are wired. He says, well, quit the job. She's not dumb. She knows that she can quit the job. She wants you to feel her situation. Feel her worry. Feel her concern. Feel her pain. It's more difficult to share someone else's joy than their sadness. Sadness you can feel. It's easy. It's easier to feel someone's like, wow, that's really bad. Wow. You know, you can think about it. You can see like, wow, it's terrible. Whether it's someone who's in an accident, it's someone who lost their job, it's someone who, whatever the issue is, that's easier to feel than someone's joy. To feel someone's joy. To feel how happy they are. To feel how excited they are. It's very difficult to really get into someone else's shoes. But you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. There's a great, great... Gift in the Talmud, and it says the following This is in Tractate Baba Kama, page 92a. It says the following that, Anyone who prays on behalf of his friend, he will benefit first. So, do you know someone else who has the same challenge as you? Pray for them, you'll benefit first. Pray for someone else who's in the same challenge, you know, someone else. Who needs healing? You know someone else who needs um, to find their their marriage partner, right? You need so you find someone you, you meet someone else who's in a similar situation as you pray for them. You'll benefit first. So what's the obvious question everyone's gonna ask? What do you mean pray for someone else? And then I'll benefit first. Isn't that selfish? And the Talmud asks that question. Talmud says, So we we'll, all we'll do when we want something is pray for someone else who needs that same thing, and then we'll get it. So if you need a job, find someone else who needs a job, pray for them, and then you'll get the job. Our sages tell us, go for it. Pray for someone else. Even if your intention is for you to benefit first, you will benefit. You will grow from that experience of feeling someone else's situation. We think it's just another form of selfishness. Our sages tell us it's just the beginning of becoming someone who cares about other people. Just to think like that, to think, I'm going to pray for someone else. I'm going to open up my mouth and ask the Almighty to help someone else. You know what that does to a person? That already changes a person. Even if deep in our heart we want it for ourselves. But it's a huge leap in the path of becoming selfless and becoming less Self-centered. It's a it's a very 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 powerful Talmud that gives us this secret. I I can tell you myself that a a dear friend of mine and I were both in a challenge. We were trying to accomplish a certain something together, and uh, I decided after multiple attempts that I was going to pray for them. Genuinely, even though I knew that there was going to be a side benefit that I would benefit first. And it worked. It worked. And I still pray for them, by the way. I still pray that they should succeed and they should be able to overcome the whatever challenges they're facing. Hashem gave me a gift. He gave me a gift and he succeeded my way with that specific issue. It's an interesting thing. There's an organization that started on exactly this Talmud, which they peer up people who have the same needs and they s- swap names. And this one prays for them, and they pray for them. And uh, it, 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 they've seen unbelievable results. Where when you pray for another person, it is a very, very powerful thing. I want to share with you what is a blessing. What is a blessing? You know, some people go to rabbis, and they go to sages, they go to holy people to get blessings. I know people who travel to Israel just to meet great Torah scholars and great sages to receive blessings whether it's someone who wants to have children, someone who needs to have success with raising children who are righteous, you know, whatever it may be, a livelihood, and they go out to receive the blessings. What are those blessings? What do they do? What is the power of a blessing? Yeah, we have to understand, I heard this once from my rabbi. He said an unbelievable thing. He says a blessing is a good wish, where it's placed in the heavenly realms. A good wish for this person. When a person fights with another person, what they do is create barriers. When you fight with another person, you're creating a barrier between you and the Almighty because the Almighty wants one. Remember what we said earlier? The Almighty wants oneness. He wants akhdut. He wants to be unity. He wants peace and harmony. By the way, it says about a husband and wife, when there's peace among them, the Almighty resides among them. God is obsessed with oneness, with peace, with love, with friendship. So when someone has a fight, it creates a barrier. And it says that the prayers don't even go up to the heavens when there's a fight because there's a steel uh, wall or floor blocking between our prayers, elevating all the way up to the heavens. But when there's love, when someone gives a blessing to another person, and it's out of love, it breaks all the barriers. That's the power of a blessing. The power of a blessing, also, it's a potential gift. The Almighty says either yes or no. It may happen, it may not happen. But at least there's that that love that someone else cared about you and gave you a blessing that pierces the heavens. And that's the power of a blessing. So someone... Who prays for another person with their full heart, it breaks all barriers. So, I want to, there's a lot more to talk about. We have many, many more ideas and stories to talk about, but um, I wanted to just get this idea started, get it in your head, and next week, God willing, we will continue with this topic. Are there any questions? We'll open the floor for any questions. That's right. It takes someone special to always be thinking about other people. And that's what we're trying to incorporate into our consciousness, into our experience of life is to become a person that's thinking about other people. And not only thinking about other people, getting into their experience. We all know that there are people who are, they stand on the side and, you know, I'll I'll tell you an amazing story. My sister had a very, very big tragedy and she lost her baby and it was it was really tragic the whole family was 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 very, very sad. You can imagine the experience my sister was going through. She said that there are many people who came to the Shiva house. you know you hear someone who loses a baby. It's very sad everyone you know people come out and people wanna help, and people wanna She said that most people weren't able to comfort her. I'm so sorry I t- you know I feel your pain. you don't understand what I'm going through. It was one woman she said who came to the shiva house, sat in the corner and cried her eyes out. She just sat there and cried. Got up and left. And the next day she came back again and cried again. She said she comforted her more than anyone else because she felt she understands my pain. She understands my loss. No words are necessary. That's getting into someone else's, really feeling what's if God forbid that happened to me. How would I feel? Not in a hypothetical. Make it part of my experience. All right, my dear friends, we got our work cut out for us. Have a terrific week and I'm looking forward to seeing all y'all next week. I, I don't know what the solution is. I think that you can pray for them. You can always pray for another person and it'll always help. It'll always help when you pray for another person. Whether we feel it or know it in advance, uh, the results that are going to come out of it, we don't. But it always helps, and it, 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 I've seen amazing miracles personally and communally happen as a result of prayer. So don't don't hesitate to pray for them, and just you know don't try to rationalize with them. And talk to Hashem and ask Hashem for help. It should be with success. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Have a magnificent week.